How many is ready to hear God's word? Amen. <coughs> if you turn uh, in your Bibles to the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verse number 1. I don't know why, but I love preaching about Jonah. He gives us so many insights. He reminds me of us. And uh, that's what I want to talk about again tonight. I, so a lot of people think this is just a children's story, and they just want to talk about Jonah and the great fish. And I'll tell you, in the New Testament, it says whale. So we can go ahead and say Jonah and the whale. I heard somebody tell me that years ago. Well, we don't know that it was a whale. Yeah, we do. It's in the New Testament. It says whale. So we're good with that. But uh, anyway, I want us to stand and honor God's word. I'm just going to read the first six verses here. Jonah 1 and 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of... Help me out with that, Dad. Amittai is what I said. Amittai, okay. Saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Wow. Leaving the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. And he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid. And every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea just to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the ship, had lain down, and was fast asleep. Verse number 6. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. Amen. I want to preach for just a few moments with the subject, disobedience is costly. Disobedience is costly. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. It's already anointed. I'm asking you to anoint my lips, Lord, that I'll speak your word tonight in boldness. I'm asking you, Lord, for our ears to receive your word and our heart, Lord, to take your word into us. Father, that it will find fertile ground for this word to grow inside of us. Lord, that we'll be faithful servants of you. When, you. when we hear your voice, Father, we'll want to run to you, not run away from you. Because disobedience, Lord, disobedience is costly to us. I thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, I pray this prayer. Amen, amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Now, I'll tell you, right off the bat tonight, I'm not very good with computers, okay? And so these guys laugh at me all the time. I, I type my sermon up, and then I hit print. I mean, it's got a big box. I can't hardly mess that up. Somehow I messed that up. And tonight I printed the sermon, and it was so magnified, it would like start in the middle of the page, and, and half my sermon's gone off that page. So Peyton didn't get a copy. So you're going to have to trust me when I read the Word. Just turn to it in your own Bible. He doesn't have a list of, <coughs> excuse me, what I'm going to be going to today. So I, I wanted to give you that heads up right off the bat. Everybody forgive me for that? May, may just have to send me to a computer class. I don't know. <laughs> Well, the prophet Jonah is first mentioned 
And he's introduced to us in the book of 2 Kings and 14 and 25. How many knew that? If you read 2 Kings before, you realize that. He's credited with having prophesied that Jeroboam, king of Israel, would restore certain lands back to Israel. Jonah lived in a time when Assyria was constantly threatening the peace of Israel. All right? And guess where Nineveh was at? It was in Assyria. So Nineveh was part of this. That's where it was located. And uh, in fact, Jonah, Jonah didn't like Nineveh. How many knew that? He didn't like it. These are some bad-to-the-bone people. You ever known people like that? They were just mean people. They were mean people. And he didn't like This is why it threw Jonah for a loop when God spoke to him and told him to go preach to the people at Nineveh. Are you serious, God? You know I already don't like them. You see what they've been doing. Why would I go preach to them? Everybody following the story? You understand what's going on? Jonah reasoned among himself, if I go preach at Nineveh, what's going to happen? They might repent. I could be killed. <laughs> but they might be. And if they repent, then God will not be bringing judgment on them. I, I'd rather see them just go, go ahead, God, just take them out. Just take them out. God, that's... That, don't act like you're not like Jonah sometimes. You're just wishing, God, just go ahead and take them out. I don't even want to witness to them anymore. I don't want to share the good news with them. God, take them out. I don't care their family. God, just take them out. Don't want to deal with it anymore. That's where Jonah's at. Rather than to see Nineveh saved, Jonah disobeyed God. We've seen it in these six verses I just read. I want to point out to you Jonah's two mistakes and two things that he did correct on these Okay, I just want to point these things out. And I'm not going to be very long tonight. I just want you to see the thing. The first thing he did, he rejected God's revealed will for his life. Wow. How many of us, no hand, you don't need to raise your hand, but how many of us have known the will of the Lord and disobeyed anyway? It's human nature sometimes. It is human nature all the time. I'll put it that way. Our spirit man is what will obey God. Our human nature never wants to obey God. He can reveal his word. He can reveal exactly what he wants to do with your life. But you're thinking, mm, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Jonah knew what God expected. He knew what God wanted him to do. This is blatant disobedience. You ever seen a child where you told them not, not to do something and they just went ahead and looked right at you and did it anyway? You're like, oh, Lord, help me. I'm going to kill this child. That's the way you feel. It's like, I just told you not to do. And in dis disobedience, in rebellion, I'm going to do things my way. I'm just going to go ahead and do things my way. I have to lean down so I can see you guys a little bit. Lean my glasses down. Get tired of this blurred look. He knew what God expected. Jonah knew what the will of God was for his life, but yet he went the opposite direction. Jonah's problem was not knowing God's will. How many has ever had trouble sometimes knowing God's will? I have. 
I've had, I've prayed for God's will and asked God his will. And it just seems like I can't, the heavens are shut up and I can't hear God. And he's not speaking to me what his will is for, for whatever the situation is. This is not the case. Jonah knew God's will. He knew exactly what was going on. Because the word of the Lord came to him in verse 2. And it said, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. Well, I know God's will now, but that sounds like a dangerous proposition. And besides, I'd rather see him just get smacked around by God. That's, that's what Noah, or Noah, that's what Jonah, I'll probably say Noah over and over. That's what Jonah was thinking. He knew what God expected. God's word, it was very plain to him. God said, Jonah, go to Nineveh, preach to these people. Tell them the judgment is coming. I want us to understand sometimes when God speaks to us, it's against our own will. Don't think it's strange when God tells you to do something and you don't like it. Well, you know, if you're a good Christian, you just love every word from God. It just comes down. Oh, yes, God. Yes, I want to do that. I want to do. Yes, Lord, I want to sacrifice that. Yes, Lord, I want to go speak to that. We know that's not the way it is. It may be something that we don't want to do. It may be something we don't want to give up. It may be a place we don't want to go. As a matter of fact, I found that most of the time, it's something that I don't want to do. When God starts sharing his will for me, I remember, and I know you guys heard this over and over, I was praying, and I was like, God, and I wasn't praying about being pastor of the church. I was just praying for my own self, my own relationship. And I said, God, you know I love you. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I was right back in that corner, and he said, you're going to be the pastor of this church. I was like, no. Most of the time, God's will is something our flesh doesn't agree with. Much of God's will has already been revealed to us, though, in his word. How many knew that? There's some things that is God's will, and we know it's a fact in the Bible. It's godly principles. We already know them. We know exactly what he expects when he speaks it in his word. I know it's God's will for me to pray. And I could have listed a... Five pages of verses for you. I didn't list any. I know it's God's will for me to study the word. I know it's God's will for me to love people. One of the last things Jesus told us to do. It's God's will for us to tithe. It's God's will for us to witness to people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We all know that, right? But Jonah deliberately disobeyed God. It wasn't the fact he didn't hear God. He heard God plainly, but he walked in disobedience. It would seem to be an easy task to go and preach to Nineveh. But Jonah rose up and fled to Tarshish. He went in the opposite direction that God wanted him to go. Wow, I see that today. So many people today, God has a direction for their life, but instead of running to God, they run away from God. The reason he went was to flee from the presence of the Lord. Do you, do you notice that? He wanted to flee from the presence of the Lord. Why would people want to flee from the presence of the Lord? I'll take anybody's suggestions. You want to just yell one out to me? They were uncomfortable. Conviction. 
scared. Let me tell you something. I said this this week. It was Monday. I was talking to someone. You have family and friends that don't want to be around you anymore now that you're a Christian. It's frustrating. It's aggravating. You want to love on them. And, you know, and, and I heard somebody say this to me. They said, I don't even preach at them. I don't even do anything. No, I told them, I said, take it as a compliment. The God in you offends them. The presence of God that's living in you offends them, and they want to flee from it. I'm just telling you, don't just think you're a bad person. Well, I'm a Christian. Why are they not loving on me? The presence of God, they're trying to get away from it. That's why they don't want to hang around with you. That's why they don't want to be your friend anymore. That's why they don't want to have a close family relationship with you anymore. Jonah probably thought, if I get far enough away from Nineveh, I'll not hear the voice of the Lord anymore. He'll leave me alone. I've, I've disobeyed him so far. I'm going to go the opposite direction. When he sees that I'm going the opposite direction, he'll just say, fine, you go there. I'm done. That's, that's what Jonah's thinking in his mind. Why else would you just deliberately run out on God? God sees you all the time. He knows where you're at. He even knows where you're going before you even decided where to go. It really shows that we're pretty stupid. I'm just saying. Wow. If I just run far enough away from Nineveh, I'll, I'll not hear the voice of God call me anymore. Many people have left the place of dedication. They've left the place of commitment. They've left the place of communion with God. And why? Because God was talking to them. God was talking. He was telling them to do something they didn't want to do. He was drawing them to a place they didn't want to go. He wanted them to be close to them. He wanted to draw them into a relationship deeper than they wanted to go. Well, I'll keep moving. <clears throat> well, I won't. I won't. They think if they get far enough away from God, God's going to leave them alone. Maybe then God would just leave me alone. He won't, he won't, he won't bother me anymore. You can't get away from God. The, the old saying, I don't know who come up with this, you can run, but you can't hide. Run as far as you want. God's there when you get there. He was there while you was running. He was back there where you come from. He's omnipresent. Well, the same call that you ran from will still be with you wherever you go. Can we be honest with ourselves tonight? I use these same scriptures Sunday, and they come back again to me today. Psalms 139.7, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, he's there. There's nowhere we can go, nowhere we can hide. You know, we think to ourselves, you know, if I go to a different town, just change my name, live up in the mountains, you know, we could just be forgotten. Nobody know where we're at. God still knows. God still knows where you're at, what you're doing, where you come from, where you're going. He knows your next move. He even knows what color shirt you're wearing. Disobedience. God's will is costly. 
When Jonah boarded that ship, he was going the opposite direction of God's will, and he paid the fare. This disobedience trip was going to cost him something. And we all know the story, and we know it did. Furthermore, once, once on the ship, they encountered a terrible storm, and Jonah found himself spending three days, three nights in the belly of a well. Disobedience is costly. How many remember the scripture? What you plant, and this is Drew's words, you're going to reap. Yeah. We may not experience the cost as quickly as Jonah did, but there will, there will be a cost. Listen to this. King Saul disobeyed God and found himself without a kingdom. David disobeyed God in the matter of his adultery with Bathsheba, and even though God forgave him, he experienced the consequences of his disobedience. And not only that, it was for the rest of his life. Some people think, well, you know, I'll make things right with God later and it'll be okay. The consequences are still going to be there. Look at David. One of his sons overthrew David as a king. Another son raped his sister. Uh, disobedience to God's will is a road that always ends up with a wrecked life. Always. There are tragedies along the road of disobedience. So many beautiful lives come to a horrible end when they're disobedient to God's will. Jonah found himself in a storm that was brought by the Lord himself. Well, he's a good God. He's a good, good father. Yes, he is. Yes, he, is. he brought a storm on Jonah. That don't sound like a good father. That sounds like a father that disciplines it. Somebody that disciplines, well, that's just not good because that hurts. It's for your own good. Well, I'll keep on. Listen to what Jeremiah 23, 19 said. Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord has gone forth in fury, a violent whirlwind. It will fall violently on the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand it perfectly. We need to understand that we have a just God, and he will deal out justice. Amen. So not only did Jonah uh, know what God expected, he deliberately disobeyed. Now, again, if you have children, you understand this particular area. When you tell your child to do something, and they intentionally obey. I'm going to tell you, kids do forget stuff. You know why they forget it? Because they didn't do it first. Take out the trash. I, Dad, can I do it after the game? Absolutely. After that game, do it. The trash should never get taken out. I know that already. Why? They didn't do it first. After the game, they forgot. They got them a bowl of cereal, forgot sleepy, went to bed. I, I'm smart. I, I know these things. Not real smart. But I, mean, I, I know some of these things. It's costly to disobey God's will. Jonah's second mistake was he was content with the accomplishments of the past. Listen to this. This wasn't the first assignment that God had given Jonah. There had been other assignments in which Jonah had come through with flying colors. He was a prophet of God, and his prophecies always came to pass. But when God came to him with this assignment to go to Nineveh and preach, Jonah, he balked on it. Now, this is one I don't want. That tells me that, you know what, we can do the right thing a lot of times. 
We can keep walking in the ways of the Lord. We can keep being obedient to his word. We can keep being obedient to what he wants us to do. But that one time comes along, I, I don't want to do it. And we balk. And we disobey. That's where Jonah's at. He was content with his past accomplishment. I've lived for the Lord before. You know, I prophesied before. And God, I told, told the people exactly what God told me. I, I did right. This one, I'm just, I pass. I'll pass on this. Shelly puts the broccoli out. I said, I'll pass. I'll pass on the broccoli. I just don't like broccoli. I'm sorry. Can't do it. Don't want to do it. Yeah, it's good for me. Yeah, I should do it. I don't want it. I'm not going to do it. That's, that's, that's the way we are with God. Yeah, I know it's good for me, God. I know I need to walk in your will. I, need to do it. I, I just don't like that flavor. That foul weed. That's the way we do it. He was content. Even though men in the ship were about to lose their lives, Jonah's still content. Listen to this. Verse 4 said the ship was about to be broken up. And verse 6 said, arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. What's he doing? He's asleep. He's content. They'd say, the commentaries say there was about 100 men on this ship and they were all in danger of losing their lives. And what's Jonah doing? He's asleep. Acting like nothing's wrong. When deep down inside, he knows nothing is right. He knows he's run from God. He knows he's not doing the God's will. He knows God disapproves of what he's doing. Nothing's right in his life. He's running from God. Just because you can lay down and sleep at night doesn't mean everything's well with your soul. What about those that are close to you? Are you concerned about their spiritual welfare? It's a trickle-down effect. I'm going to talk to the parents right now. It's a trickle-down effect when you're being disobedient to God. Because what's happening to you is going to happen to them children. If I'm disobedient here as pastor of the church, it's going to be a trickle-down effect to the church. Everyone influences someone. I say it all the time. You're leading someone to heaven. Are you leading someone to hell? Disobedience is not the way to go. Jonah's sleeping, acting like nothing's wrong. We have to be concerned about others around us. My question tonight would be, are you concerned about the spiritual welfare, about the people that's around you right now? That could be husband, wife, uh, siblings, family, kids, moms, dads, church family. What are you doing to help the relationship with Christ? Jonah's doing nothing for Nineveh. He's running from them. He's not helping them at all. He was content even though a whole city was under the lowering cloud of God's judgment. The message that Jonah was to preach to this city was Nineveh shall be overthrown. Listen to this, Jonah 4, verse number 11. And should I not pity Nineveh? That great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between the right hand and the left hand and much livestock. Can I give you a little insight on this scripture? In Jonah 4 and 11, he's talking about 120,000 people who can't discern between the right hand and the left hand. You know what he's talking about? Children. Children. 120,000 children in Nineveh. Some estimate there could have been a half a million people in that city. 
but there was 120,000 children. According to Jonah 4 and 11, we know that there was more than 120,000 people living in the city of Nineveh. Most commentaries will tell you that Jonah 4 and 11 is talking about a number of children in the city. Some estimate over 500,000 lived in Nineveh. But even if we take a conservative figure, you can imagine how you would feel if you knew that a city of 120,000 people were headed for divine judgment and no one is even caring, no one's even saying anything about it. Is that the world we're living in right now? Wow. This is the exact case that Jonah is running from. He had the warning from God to give to this city, but he was content with the way things were. He was asleep while the city was perishing. Millions are headed for a divine judgment, and you and I have a clear mandate from God. We're to go. (laughs) We're to go. We're to tell. We're to share the good news of the gospel. But I'm afraid that too many times we're just like Jonah. We're asleep. We're asleep in the bottom of the boat, unconcerned about those around us. All we're worried about is taking care of me, my wife, my kids, my family, my house, my car, my job. That's not the mandate. That's part of the mandate. We need to start in our own homes to make sure that they're right with God. But we have a big mandate and we need to stop worrying about everything else. Hmm. We're too content with the way things are. The world along with our friends is perishing while we're sleeping. Jonah was content while in danger of losing his own life. That's the bad part about it. When you fall asleep, you're, you're in jeopardy yourself. He had lulled himself into a false security and thought that he had gotten away from God. God can't find me. I went the opposite direction. I'm in the bottom of a boat. He can't find me. Now he's sleeping in the bottom of the boat. And he's in danger of losing his own life. Suddenly, Jonah's sleep was interrupted. Listen at this. What do you mean, sleeper? What in the world are you doing sleeping? Can't you tell what's going on? I'm going to tell you what. I was on a cruise ship, and I could not sleep when the storm was going on. I was sick as I could be. I don't know how Jonah did this. He must have had one of them patches behind his ears, but I don't know what he was doing, but somehow he was able to sleep through it. The captain said, arise and call on your God. Jonah must have thought he was having a nightmare. Let me show you why. Those were the very words he was running from. God said, arise and go to Nineveh. And now he's got the captain telling him, arise. (laughs) Call on your God. Words had to come back and haunt him and remind him of how he had miserably failed in fulfilling his his job, his uh, prophetic duty. Jonah could see that it's not, well, I'll go on. Jonah could see that it's not an irate God that's talking to him right now. When he heard these words, it wasn't God that was mad at him standing over him. It's a captain now. It's somebody different. Surely he's not telling me to pray. I'm not even in God's will. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm running from God. Not only am I not where I'm supposed to be, I'm running from God. I'm trying to get away. I'm hiding from God. And you're asking me to pray to my God. Wow. 
This must have hit him right between the eyes. Jonah probably thought, if only the captain knew how far I was from God. Jonah had been content with the accomplishments. I can say it. It's a big, long word on my paper. He was, he, was, he, was, uh, he was content with all of his accomplishments of the past. Now he found himself in a miserable situation here. He was needing to call on his God that he's running from. Don't you hate it when you're upset at somebody, you're mad at somebody? I, I'm just going to use my, me as my example. Frustrated at your wife, you're aggravated at your wife or spouse, and, and then you realize, I need something that only she has. She has the only key to that, or she's the only one that knows how to fix that certain food, or now I need her. And before, I give her the cold shoulder. I could just say, well, fine, you want to act that way? I'll go to the other end of the house. I'll stay away from you. And all of a sudden now, i got to talk to her. Nobody's ever did that, I know. Nobody's ever did that. He was supposed to pray, but he couldn't because he was running away from God. To correct his disobedience to God, Jonah took sole responsibility for his disobedience. Finally, he fesses up to it. Even though the captain of the ship was a heathen, he recognized that this was no ordinary storm. He knew they were in trouble. This storm was caused by higher power. They were all calling on their gods. So he began to try to find out which sailor had made some god angry. Whose fault is this? That's what they're looking at. The lot fell on Jonah. Jonah 1 and 9 said, So he said to them, I'm a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. He's the one that made the sea, and he's also the one making the storm right here. In other words, Jonah's saying, my God's the one who's brought this storm on all of us because I'm in your vessel. Jonah recognized that he was responsible for the storm. Jonah 1 and 12 says, and he said to them, pick me up, throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. I know I've been disobedient to God. This is my fault. He's finally owning it. What's funny, he's still not praying. I'll take death. God, I don't want to obey you. I'll take death. That's what he's saying. Jonah's saying, fellas, you can relax now. We discovered the problem. I'm the guilty one. I'm the one who's disobeyed God. This is God's way of chastising me and helping me to see where I've missed his will. I'm responsible. Jonah recognized that he would suffer the consequence for his disobedience. Just throw me over. Just throw me over. Well, I love this. When the storm come on the sea, the sailors suddenly got religion. All of them went to be praying to some God. I don't even care what God I'm going to pray to. I'm just going to pray to some God. I see that all the time. People get in trouble. Would you pray for my family? Would you pray for this? Would you pray for that? I see it a lot on Facebook. And I'm thinking, you're the most heathenistic person I've ever seen in my life on Facebook, and now you want everybody to pray for you. It's like, wow. Whatever God's got to do, I'll help you pray about it. Amen. You know, the, the Bible also says they work to try to save their lives. Listen to this. Jonah 1 and 13 says, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land. They're still trying. Well, no, we don't want to cast you over in the water. We do but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempests against them. 
They're, they're trying to help Jonah out. They're trying to be his ally. Neither of these actions helped them, though. Jonah said, throw me overboard. Then the sea will be calm. Jonah recognized that he would suffer the consequences for his disobedience, and none of the rest of them needed to. Jonah knew that he could pray all day long, exercise all sorts of faith, but that wouldn't stop the storm. You know why? He'd disobeyed God. It wasn't going to stop the storm. The Bible said, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. People wonder why God hasn't answered their prayers, get them out of a tight spot. The reason so many times, not all the time, it was their disobedience to God that got them in the tight spot in the beginning. Aren't you glad God loves you anyway? Years ago, April and I wrote the song, He Loved Me In Spite Of Myself. In spite of what I've done, in spite of where I've gone, in spite of my disobedience, he still loves me. But guess what? That calling is still there. He ain't going to let you go from it. He called you to something. He's going to make sure you do it. That's where Jonah's at right here. The Lord loved Jonah, and that's why he chastised him for his disobedience. Shelly, if you'd come back. I'm at the end. I've had four minutes to spare. The second thing Jonah did to correct his disobedience, he cast himself on the mercy of God. Jonah 1 and 12, I already read it. Pick me up, throw me into the sea, and the sea will become calm for you. Because he knew the storm was because of him. Throw me into the sea, and the sea shall become calm. I've done wrong. I've disobeyed. Jonah was finally admitting he's the cause of it. Jonah recognized the truth that God spoke through the prophet, Joel 2 and 13. So rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. When you disobey God, cast yourself on his mercy. Throw yourself at his feet. He's merciful. He's compassionate. He's loving. Guess what? He's forgiving. He's a forgiving God. When God's orders are clear, we have no other alternative but just to obey. Obey his will. There's no use for us to try to rationalize or try to get out of obeying God. There's no other way to be happy. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. People try. It's not going to work. To obey is better than sacrifice, is what the Word said. Would you stand with me? I want you to look at your own heart tonight. Jonah is such a quick read. You can read the whole chapter in no time, or the whole book in no time. But there's so many truths to be found in there. And tonight, this is what I want you to do. I want you to examine your own life. If you found that you've been disobedient in anything God's called you to do, throw yourself, throw yourself at his feet. 
He's merciful. He's merciful. Cast yourself upon his mercy. He wants to forgive. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. I thank you for those that are watching on Facebook right now. Father, it's such a simple message, an act of disobedience, Lord. But, Lord, you want us to come back. You're not going to stop. You know where we're at. You're going to keep coming after us. You're still going to keep coming after that one and leave the 99, and we know that. I'm asking you, Lord, to face, help us to face, face our troubles, face our fears, face everything that we need to face, and come face to face with you and repent. Lord, I thank you, God, that your word is leading and guiding us. I'm asking you, Lord, right now to apply it to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you find your place to pray? Talk to God. Seal this word in your heart tonight.